Hello and welcome. My name is Jackie Lindahl and this is the Fit Like a Girl podcast. I am a mom, wife, an avid coffee drinker and weightlifter, as well as a personal trainer. And I own my own company called Fit Like a Girl Personal Training. In this podcast, I will help you reach your weight loss and fitness goals with no BS advice, cutting through all the myths and the crap that is out there so that you feel empowered and confident in reaching your goals. Along with fitness and health, I will also talk about many other subjects like mom stuff, life stuff, business, money, and so much more. So grab a coffee or put on your headphones and go for a walk and let's chat. Hello and welcome back to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Jackie Lindahl. Thank you so much for listening. So in today's episode, I'm going to do a Q&A episode, and I thought I would give a little bit of a life update at the same time, as well as I have some awesome questions uh, that I'm really good, that I am going to go really in depth with um, and discuss here today. So first things first, a little bit of a life update. Uh, we are doing good. Um, baby girl, our baby is 10 weeks old now, and she is doing great. She's actually snoozing right beside me, um, in her little chair and yeah, she's doing really good. She's growing like a bad weed. Holy cow. At her last checkup, she was just like growing like a bad weed. She's in the 85th percentile and doing so, so good. Um, we're very, very grateful that she's doing excellent and just growing and happy and healthy. Uh, her older sister is doing great. She starts preschool here in a couple of weeks. Um, so she's three and I feel like three is a little bit young to be starting preschool, but the daycare that she goes to is sending her like takes the kids to and from preschool and kind of arranges it and stuff. And a lot of her friends are going to preschool. So, and it's only a couple hours twice a week. Um, and the daycare kind of arranges everything and takes her to and from. So I was like, you know, okay, whatever. Yeah, she can go. Even if I feel like it's a little bit early for her to go in all honesty, I don't really know what different things they're going to do at preschool versus at daycare. Like, what are they going to do? A craft, sing a song, play some games, like pretty much exactly what they do at daycare, <laughs> but whatever. Um, she's going to go and she's really excited for it. She doesn't quite understand because we call daycare school. Like when we say you're going to daycare, oftentimes we'll say you're going to school because she likes the idea of school and it makes her excited. So she doesn't really get it when we say, okay, you're going to go to school now. Like you're going to go to school twice a week. And she's like, yeah, I know. I already go to school. Like, what are you talking about? So anyways, it'll be fine. They went and they did like a little tour yesterday with, um, the kids from her daycare that are all going. They went and they did like a little tour yesterday and she was pretty excited about that and thought that was pretty cool. And they went to the library and stuff that is there. And yeah, so she was pretty excited about that. And yeah, I'm excited for her to go and kind of learn some new things and be around other kids and stuff. And hopefully she'll learn a lot and have fun. Um, otherwise other things, uh, work is going well. I'm getting myself back into my workouts, which has been really, really good. I've been really enjoying my workouts, um, over the past few weeks. I also have been working with a uh, physiotherapist doing some pelvic floor physio, as well as working on like, um, proper core physical therapy, because like a lot of people what kind of blows my mind about it and what my physiotherapist has been like explaining to me is like a lot of people think that core strength is just equal to like how many sit-ups can you do? How long can you hold a plank for and all these things? But she said a lot of people don't actually know how to like engage their deep core muscles and stuff properly, which is what really adds up to actual good core strength is those deep inner muscles in your abdominals. And 
you know, that just because you have abs or you have a six pack or whatever, it doesn't mean that you actually know how to like engage those muscles properly and stuff like that. So it's been really like eye opening, even for me, um, being postpartum doing core exercises and things like that. And then consulting with her and going over stuff and the modifications that she's having me do and the different exercises and stuff. And they would be exercises that a lot of people would feel would be like, quote unquote, easy. But if you're doing them properly, they're actually quite difficult. And that's something that like, I'll tell people even, uh, in personal training, they'll be like, Oh, you know, an exercise, like a dead bug is like a super easy exercise. And it's like, well, if you're actually doing it properly and you're engaging your core properly and holding that engagement and doing things properly, it's actually pretty hard. And that was something that her and I were having a discussion with yesterday. Cause she wanted me to modify some things that I'm doing. Um, not that, modifying to make it easier, but modifying it so that I can focus on proper engagement and build those muscles up first to then progress later on. Um, and that was kind of the discussion that we were having is that these modifications aren't a bad thing, that they're actually a good thing and that it'll help give my core a really strong base and foundation for later on. And a lot of women, especially who have been pregnant, don't really realize what they need to actually do for their core to help it engage properly and also just help it rehabilitate. Because you think about it when you're pregnant, your muscles in your core get so stretched out to accommodate for this baby. Like I know, like for me, I remember like feeling like how wide my stomach gets. And then you got to think like your rectus abdominis, the ones that run just like, those are like your six pack muscles, the ones that run straight up and down, those get stretched out. And there's like actually like a big gap in between them called a diastis recti that when you're, you have the baby and your stomach kind of comes back together, oftentimes, not every woman, but oftentimes uh, quite a few women will have a space, like a gap that's in between. And some women have a little gap, some ha women have a bigger gap, and sometimes the gap can close up. And for some women, it doesn't, and they actually need to have like reconstructive surgery to help fix that. Um, but a lot of things that women don't really think about. So yes, there's those muscles that run on top, your rectus abdominis that go straight over top, your six pack muscles, but then there's deeper muscles underneath that actually help to pull everything together. And if you don't train those deeper muscles, your trans, they're called your transverse abdominis and they run the opposite direction. If you don't actually bring those you know, that engagement into those muscles, you're not really effectively engaging your core. So anyways, I've been learning a lot and really enjoying it. And I love how she like explains things and stuff. And I did, um, pelvic floor physio and this type of physiotherapy after my first, but you know, it's been a few years and it's just nice to have that like refresher and discussions and stuff. And I love talking with physical therapists and stuff because they're just so smart and they're so good at understanding. Like they just understand the body and how your muscles and joints and everything works and how to like pull it all together. And it just, yeah, like it's really great. And in all honesty, like I love physical therapy. I feel like physical therapy is so cool there's a part of me that really wishes that I would have went to school to be a physical therapist. Um, and I mean, if it's something that I really want to pursue in life, I, I, I guess I can. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's kind of what's been going on in my life now. And, um, yeah, just getting back and really enjoying getting back into my workouts. I, forgot how much I missed lifting and, you know, just like putting in my headphones, listening to like, you know, some awesome music and just like getting in the zone and stuff. And 
it's a little bit harder to do with kids. Oftentimes I'm doing my workouts in the morning or during the day when I have the baby with me and I'm kind of having to like, you know, keep her entertained and stuff or making, sometimes she'll nod off and go to sleep or she's fussy or whatever. So I have to like kind of keep her in and entertained and happy and stuff while I'm doing my workouts, but it's just good to kind of get in that zone again and feel the sweat, feel a little bit of soreness and be like, yeah, this is, this is good. This is fun. So let's get into some questions. I just have a, a small handful of questions that I wanted to go over today, but I thought that I would go into kind of like a little bit more depth with the questions. Um, and yeah, they're really, really good questions that I feel like would have a great topic for a discussion. So first one, first one will be a little bit of a quicker question and then we'll get into the other ones. So I sent out a call, uh, to my Instagram as well. No. So I put out a call into my private group or my private coaching Facebook groups. And these are some of the questions that I got from some of my clients in these groups. So I thought that I would go over them because, um, they're really, really good ones. So first one is, should I eat back calories burned on my Fitbit? So I believe that what they're talking about is when your Fitbit or your MyFitnessPal or whatever it might be, if you're tracking calories, it'll add calories to your day. And MyFitnessPal does this and it drives me kind of bonkers, but whatever, it's their platform. They can do with it what they will, um, where they'll add calories onto your day and then give people the notion of, I need to eat those calories back. And the answer is no, no, you should not be eating your calories burned back because of a few reasons. Number one is that the Fitbits, your phone, uh, watches, whatever it might be really overestimate how many calories you're actually burning, especially when you're doing a workout or cardio or something like that. You're not burning as many calories as you think you are. And this goes into a much deeper discussion of, you know, tracking calories during your workouts and should you be doing that and stuff, uh, which maybe I'll touch on another day or later on. But when it adds on those calories to your, my fitness pal or whatever it might be, and you start eating those calories back, that can pull you out of your calorie deficit and put you either just at maintenance or a surplus. And that can slow down your weight loss goals if that is your goal. So I would recommend, no, don't eat those calories burned back just because of that reason. And, um, the other thing is, is also just keeping in mind that when you're working out, when you're exercising, the ultimate goal is not to burn calories. The ultimate goal of exercise and doing cardio, weightlifting, whatever it might be is for the health benefits to get stronger, to get faster, to move better, to, um, feel good heart and lung conditioning to also gain muscle mass. All of those things are what exercise is for. And that exercise is not for burning calories. And you should be focusing on being active just for your overall wellness and health and not be focused on being active and doing workouts for your just simple calorie burn. Okay. Weight loss happens with your nutrition in that you have to be in a calorie deficit. And that is what makes up your nutrition. And yes, exercise does burn calories, but I don't want that to be the focus of the reason why people work out. I want the reason that I want people to work out because of the health benefits for working out, not just for burning calories. So something to keep in mind there, because it kind of goes into like a bigger discussion that way. So the next topic is discuss costs associated with becoming healthy. Is it really more expensive to eat right? 
and that kind of stuff. So this is a really good topic. And in all honesty, it could be probably a whole podcast episode in and of itself. But there's a few different avenues, a few different top subtopics in this topic that I want to discuss. The first being, let's just talk about the cost of eating healthy. So in general, I would say on average, yes, eating healthier can be more expensive depending on how you do things. Yes, fresh vegetables and fresh fruits and stuff like that are more expensive, especially if you live in an area or if, especially if you live in a place like I do in Alberta, in Canada, where we can't grow produce during the winter. So produce is imported from the lower United States, from Central America. And because of those importing costs and stuff like that, the cost of produce where we live, especially in the wintertime is expensive and it can be hard to eat fresh fruit and vegetables and stuff during the winter, just because those costs Never mind inflation, increasing those prices. Like now uh, there's certain things that when it comes to inflation and stuff, uh, with costs, I've had to cut certain things out. Like I'm no longer buying avocados because they're $7 a bag. And even the cost of like apples are like $9 for like a five pound bag. That's ridiculous. And so Yeah. In a lot of ways, eating healthier can be more expensive, especially when you have easier, convenient foods that are cheaper at our disposal in grocery stores and stuff that can be hard. And when it comes to budgeting, especially right now with the cost of inflation and food and stuff like that, you kind of have to do what you got to do. But there are ways that you can eat inexpensive and still be healthy. And that's where things like frozen fruits and vegetables can come into play. Very healthy frozen fruits and vegetables are fantastic, especially in the winter time when, like I said, fresh fruit and fresh vegetables are harder to get. There are also, um, canned fruits and vegetables that are also very healthy. You got to keep in mind that canned and frozen fruits and vegetables are picked at their peak ripeness and then they are flash frozen. So they're flash frozen so that it maintains their nutrients and their vitamins and things like that so that they don't lose their nutrients and vitamins over time. It maintains them. And that's the disadvantage also with living where I live in a Northern climate. And having to import fruits and vegetables is that over time with the shipping and then also them being to this sitting in the stores and stuff like that, uh, they lose some of their nutrients and quality and things like that when they're just sitting in the store. So fruits and vegetables uh, or frozen fruits and vegetables and canned fruits and vegetables are fantastic to add to your diet. There's also cheaper things that you can do, such as um, meat can be really expensive. And that's one other thing that has really gone up uh, since COVID and inflation and stuff like that is the cost of meat. So yes, being able to make substitutes is great. Uh, There are a lot more plant-based substitutes and stuff that may be less expensive now than they used to be, as well as modifying what types of um, meats that you're eating. So for example, with chicken, chicken breast is always so expensive, but I really like to actually buy uh, chicken quarters where it's like the whole leg. Uh, so chicken quarters are fantastic and are usually quite inexpensive. Chicken thighs are usually less expensive. You can buy chicken breasts with the bone in and the skin on, and you could be a good meat, learn to be a good meat carver. There's plenty of YouTube videos out there. Um, 
and remove the skin and the bone yourself. Uh, chicken thighs are also usually cheaper than chicken breasts and ground chicken, ground beef, all those types of things can be modified into many different recipes and are generally quite a bit less expensive than, um, certain cuts of meat. So though those things can definitely help with the cost of eating healthier, um, as well as adding in things like lentils, beans are fantastic sources of protein as well as fiber and are great to add to diet. Those are great for you, super healthy eggs, things like eggs and stuff like that can also be really inexpensive and easy to use. Uh, I've noticed that like the cost of yogurt and stuff like that has gone up quite a bit. So that might not be budget friendly for everybody, but something to consider. So, so yeah, so there are ways that you can eat healthy, healthier, that is less expensive, but yeah, the general costs of associating becoming healthy can be, it can be more expensive. However, though, we have to think about what it offsets. So yes, the cost of eating healthier can be more expensive. Uh, the cost of investing in either gym equipment at home or investing in a trainer or investing in a, um, a gym membership. I'm using the word investment because you have to think about living a healthier lifestyle and how it pays off in the future. So I like to use the word investment. You're investing in your health in the with the mindset that it's going to pay off later on because you have to also think about yes, the cost of um healthy eating and being active and all those things you can definitely there can be costs associated with that. But you have to think about what is the payoff later on. If I continue with a healthy lifestyle and invest in these costs now, Versus if I don't, and I'm not investing in my health and I'm instead investing in not being healthy, um, and unhealthy habits and stuff and where that can lead you later on. So that is one way that I like to look at it is like, if you live an unhealthy lifestyle with a poor diet, poor habits, such as smoking, drinking, um, that also costs money by the way, and being inactive and all these things, where is that going to lead you in your life as far as what costs could be associated with that? You know, there's the costs uh, if you are leave, leading an unhealthy lifestyle and you develop diabetes later on due to health, you know, due to poor lifestyle choices and you develop diabetes later on in life, what are the medication costs going to be for that? Or if you develop heart problems later in life, what are the costs going to be for that? And not just talking about financial costs, but also emotional costs, the, you know, mental toll that it's going to take on your body, as well as the time associated with treating these things and doctor's appointments and all that kind of stuff. You also have to think about what is it going to cost in terms of your quality of life? If you're inactive and you're not leading an, leading an active lifestyle, you're smoking, you're drinking, and later on in life, you have these amazing grandkids that you want to spend time with, but kids have tons of energy and you can't keep up with them. And that leads to you not being able to have that quality time with your grandkids or your kids that you thought that you wanted to have, but you're not able to have it because you never looked after yourself. So Yes. Like I said, being a healthy lifestyle can be expensive, but you got to think what's the alternative and the alternative in leading an unhealthy lifestyle. What are the costs associated with that? And to me, the costs associated with living an unhealthy lifestyle in, you know, potentially having to deal with heart conditions or other conditions such as diabetes or something like that. Um, uh, and the costs of, not being able to do the things that you want to do in life. You can't keep up with your 
grandkids or your kids because they're too, you know, they're high energy and you're not active. The costs of arthritis and having to have sore joints and being on medication to help manage those joints and not to mention the toll that those medications can take on your body over time. These are all things that you need to consider. And a lot of times we don't think about these things. Other things you also have to think about are for, let's just take, for example, smoking and drinking. So if you're drinking, drinking and smoking, you know that there's costs associated with those financial costs. We could offset those financial. And, you know, I'll hear people say things like, oh, you know, a trainer's too expensive. A gym membership is too expensive, but yet they're smoking and they're drinking. So you have to think about, okay, well, where's your priorities here? Because maybe it requires you having to rearrange your priorities and is smoking really a higher priority than getting a gym membership and being healthy and quitting smoking? Just imagine that. Imagine the financial, you know, savings that you'll have just by quitting smoking alone and being able to afford a gym membership or not drinking as much alcohol or maybe giving up alcohol. I don't know. I don't know your situation. And then being able to afford healthier food and a healthier lifestyle. It's Sometimes it is about a shift in priorities. And for some people, they decide that that shift in priorities is what is going, is worth it. And they decide that they're going to make that change. And I understand that not everybody's in this situation. However, though, you can still live a healthy lifestyle for pretty inexpensive. You don't have to have a ton of gym equipment. In all honesty, if you don't know where to start, you're a beginner, start walking. I guarantee you that you might have a pair of shoes somewhere. You can walk. That's requires $0 other than a pair of shoes. And you can, like I mentioned before, there's ways that you can eat cheap as far as frozen, fr frozen fruit, frozen vegetables, lentils, beans, uh, eggs. Those foods are all super cheap. Oatmeal, another one that's also really inexpensive and being able to make those changes for cheap. So I would argue just to kind of circle back to the original question, I would argue in the long run, if you think about all the total costs, uh, financial costs, mental load, the cost of, you know, all of the financial costs, the health costs, mental costs, emotional costs, all those things, living a healthy lifestyle is worth it. It is worth it. And I do believe that living an unhealthy lifestyle in the long run will cost you more. It'll cost you more financially. It'll cost you more emotionally. It'll cost you more mentally and it'll cost you your health. So yes, it's hard. There are ways to do it inexpensive though, but in the end, it'll be worth it for a better quality of life. Okay. Last one. This is a really great one. And I actually get this question and this topic a lot. So let's discuss it. How do you deal with feeling low energy and not feeling motivated for workouts? Do you have any recommendations on getting more exercise for people who work from home? Okay. So this is a bit of a loaded question and I like it. Um, it's a very common question that a lot of people will ask is how do you get motivated? One of the things that people forget is that motivation is a feeling. You feel motivated, just like you feel happy. You feel sad. You feel angry. And I think a lot of people think that they need to be motivated all the time. 
And they think that people like me who are trainers or super fit people or whatever, that we're motivated all the time. We're not. Definitely not. I am not motivated all the time. I posted on my Instagram stories about how I really didn't want to do my workout and I was procrastinating by sitting at my kitchen table, chugging coffee in hopes that it would help me feel motivated. Did it? No. Uh, I did not feel motivated. I just had a high heart rate because I drank too much coffee. (laughs) But motivation is a feeling. And just like you don't feel happy or sad or angry all the time, you're not going to feel motivated all the time. And I think the first thing that you need to acknowledge is that you're not going to feel motivated and it's normal to not feel motivated. There's nothing wrong with you if you don't feel motivated to work out. There's actually a very small subset of the population of people that actually like working out and feel motivated to work out. And that's usually trainers like me. Most average everyday people, 90% of my clients are not motivated to work out. They don't like or particularly love working out as much as I do. And that's okay. And I feel like a lot of people think that there's something wrong with them when they think that, but you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to understand, like I discussed in the last question, what is it worth to you? And so, yeah, I deal with being low energy and not feeling motivated by accepting that it's okay that I'm not motivated. And because of that, I know that I need to tap into something else to do it. And that is discipline. I need to tap into my discipline when I'm not feeling motivated. Cause when I want, when I'm feeling motivated and I want to do my workouts, I'm like, woohoo, I'm excited to do my workouts. I'm going into, you know, I'm planning them. I'm thinking about like how much weight I'm going to lift, what I'm going to try all these things I'm thinking about. I'm excited about it. But when I'm not motivated, it's hard. It is hard to feel motivated. And I was having this discussion actually with my sister-in-law recently. And she was asking me because it's been really hot here for the past like month. She asked me like, how do you get motivated to do the workouts? And I said to her, I'm not, I hate working out when it's hot. I hate it. It sucks. Like I'm grateful my, my garage where my gym equipment is stays relatively cool, but I hate it. It sucks. I don't want to do it. That's the last thing. The last thing I want to do when I am sweating, just sitting is go do something that's going to make me want to sweat more. Like, no, I don't want to do that, but I accept that it sucks, but I tap into that discipline muscle in that it needs to get done because I know the consequence of what happens when it doesn't just like how motivated are you to go to work? probably not that motivated. You're probably some days dragging yourself to work, dreading waking up, hating it, but you know the consequence of what happens if you don't go to work. You get fired from your job, you can't pay your bills, you end up in the streets, whatever. So think of the same thing when it comes to working out. It's okay to not be motivated but you still got to do it. And that requires a lot of grit and a lot of practice, practicing discipline, practicing, forcing yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. And it's okay to say, I don't want to do this. I hate this. I really don't like it. And I was saying to my sister-in-law, a lot of times I'm dragging myself to the garage gym going, fuck, 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 fuck. I don't want to do this. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Like cursing at myself mad that I don't want to do it, but I know that after I'm done, I'm going to be so happy that I did it. And that's the other thing to focus on is how are you going to feel after you're done? And that's what I always try to focus on is, okay, when I'm done this, I know that I'm going to be proud of myself 
that I did it. And I'm going to be more proud of myself that I did it than if I didn't do it. So I focus on that and I try to make the decision that's going to make myself proud at the end of the day is will doing a workout, going to the gym or going to the garage and doing my workout, will I feel proud of myself by the end of it? And like 99.99999% of the time, it's a yes. 100% of the time, it's a yes. So how do I deal with feeling low energy and not being motivated? I accept it. I accept that I'm not going to feel motivated. And you have to remember that motivation doesn't feed results. Action feed results. So by taking action continually, especially when you don't want to, you will get results. And those results will make you feel motivated, probably temporarily, will make you feel motivated and excited to take more action to get more results. So it's about flexing that discipline muscle, forcing yourself to start over, forcing yourself to do it when you don't want to do it. If you fall off track, it's forcing yourself to get back on track. And over time, you're going to get better and better at it. And that self-efficacy is going to get better. Okay. Uh, there's a, it was a two-part question. The second part of the question is, do you have any recommendations on getting more exercise in for people who work from home? Um, the biggest thing that I recommend for people who work from home or just anybody who is stuck and doesn't know what exercise to do is walk. The best thing that you can do is walk, get in some steps. And I mean, if you have space in your apartment or your house or whatever, to even just walk around your house, take a five minute break every hour or two hours or whatever, and get in some steps, go for a walk at the end of your day, go for a walk, whatever you can do. That's my biggest recommendation is if you're stuck working from home and you're finding that you're having a hard time getting up and moving throughout the day is set intentional times for you to walk. So if that's walking on your lunch break, great. If that's purposefully using the downstairs bathroom, when you have to pee during your workday and your office is upstairs, walk, go down the stairs and back up the stairs, squeeze in anything that you can do to be a little bit more active and just get more steps. And For some people, that's also setting that, uh, you know, 10,000 steps goal, even if it's not 10,000 steps, even if you're struggling to get in 5,000, start with that. And then you can always add in more steps as you go along. So that'd be my biggest recommendation. You don't have to get yourself an at-home gym or anything fancy like that. I mean, if you want to, absolutely. And you can work out from home during your lunch break or during your Zoom meetings with your camera off or whatever it might be. Perfect. But the best thing that you can do throughout the day is honestly just get up and walk around, walk on your phone calls. I've even seen like, uh, some people will do like their phone calls or their zoom meetings. If they don't have to be on camera, they'll sit, sit their computer or whatever beside their treadmill and they'll walk on their treadmill. Uh, that works like whatever you gotta do, but that'd be my biggest recommendation is just walking. So I hope that these questions were helpful um, and that you found um, at least a few tidbits of information in there that might help you on your journey. I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast and what I've been doing here on the podcast, I would love and appreciate a five-star written review. Reviews are really helpful for podcasts in that it helps increase visibility of the podcast and more people will come across it and be able to come and listen. Um, If you haven't yet, please follow me on social media. I will post my Instagram in the show notes as well as I am back on YouTube. I am posting on YouTube more regularly. So you can also find that in the show notes and you can go and subscribe and follow me on YouTube. 
as well as if you have questions about my online training or programming options, definitely feel free to head to my website, www.fitlikeagirlalloneword.ca, and you can find out some information on my training options and information and more information there. And lastly, just want to say again, thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have a great rest of your day and take care, fam. Thank you.